Churchill never missed an opportunity to confer with key American policymakers in his tireless effort to enlist the United States in Britain's struggle for survival. On the fateful evening of the 7th of December 1941, he was dining at Chequers with American Ambassador John Gill Winnant, Avril Harriman, Roosevelt's special representative in the UK, and Harriman's daughter Kathleen, whose birthday it was. Pamela Churchill, the Prime Minister's daughter-in-law, his principal private secretary John Martin, and commander Tommy Thompson, his ADC. Churchill was in this distinguished company when Frank Sawyers, his valet, entered the dining room with a small portable Emerson radio that Harriman had brought with him as a gift from Harry Hopkins. The BBC News Bulletin was reporting the devastating surprise Japanese attack on the US naval base at Pearl Harbor. Churchill immediately asked Winnant to telephone Roosevelt for confirmation, and just as quickly decided to travel to Washington, both to offer support, we are all in the same boat now, the President told the Prime Minister, and to promote his own strategy for prosecuting the war. The following day, the Japanese attacked the British colony of Malaya, and on the 11th of December, Germany declared war on the United States. Britain and the United States had become allies in what was clearly going to be a long war against two strong enemies, Germany and Japan. Because Roosevelt was under substantial Pacific first pressure to avenge the attack on Pearl Harbor, Churchill feared that the war against Germany would be subordinated to an American war against Japan and that the lease-lend material would be diverted from Britain to that effort in the Far East. As always, Churchill believed he could be most effective in a face-to-face meeting. Once ensconced in the White House, he would argue for the joint overall strategy. Europe first, he was convinced, would win the war. Arranging this meeting was no easy thing. Such an extended transatlantic visit needed the approval of both the king and the cabinet, and an invitation from the president. Churchill had little difficulty obtaining the sovereign's approval, but the cabinet was another matter. The foreign secretary, Anthony Eden, then on his way to meet Stalin, joined his cabinet colleagues in opposing Churchill's visit, arguing that Britain's prime minister and its foreign secretary should not be away from London and the House of Commons at the same time. But neither Eden nor the war cabinet could dissuade the prime minister from his view that telegrams and phone calls were no substitute for personal contact. Oliver Harvey, Eden's principal private secretary, noted in his diary, Really, the PM is a lunatic. He gets in such a state of excitement that the wildest schemes seem reasonable. I hope to goodness we can defeat this one. A.E. believes the cabinet and finally the king will restrain him. But the cabinet are a poor lot for stopping anything. In Washington, enthusiasm for a Churchill visit was equally muted. Influential congressional supporters of General Douglas MacArthur favoured a Japan-first strategy. Nor was the president's wife alone in Washington in viewing Churchill as an unreconstructed old imperialist trying to drag the United States into a war that would restore Britain's empire. The president, reluctant to receive the prime minister, enlisted the aid of the British ambassador, Lord Halifax, to persuade Churchill to stay at home. Roosevelt told the ambassador he was worried about Churchill's security, 
and suggested a meeting in Bermuda at a later date. Neither fears for his safety, nor the prospect of a meeting at some later, perhaps much later, date, could dissuade Churchill from setting sail for America as soon as possible. The Prime Minister set aside the doubts of some of his cabinet, confident that the potential effectiveness of his personal diplomacy would secure Britain's urgent national interest to give Hitler no respite in Europe. Churchill's greatest fear was that the Nazis would defeat the Soviet Union and then invade Britain. The President's uncertainty about the visit from the Prime Minister was reflected in cables he, or perhaps members of his staff, not eager to expose the President to the Prime Minister's persuasive powers, drafted for transmission to Churchill. I would like to suggest delay. Full discussion would be more useful.